Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. All right, my friends, welcome back to another installment of Stoke the Fire. Uh, This episode is episode number 35, which is the same age as me. The podcast is as old as I am now, Jesse, although I think slightly less withered. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cheers to you, my brother. Cheers to everybody tuning in, as always. There's no guest this week. It's just me and Jesse. Um, It's been a while since we've even spoken privately, let alone, you know, publicly on a podcast. So we thought we'd just make this episode a a check in with each other, a check in with all of you. And um, there's a lot to cover. And we we literally haven't spoken. We've been speaking pretty much every day since January 1st of this year. But and it might just seem like longer than it's been, but it feels like it's been, I want to say, two weeks, a couple of weeks at least, maybe more. It feels longer for sure. Yeah, it's just been, I mean, between me being on the road and you being busy doing your thing. Yeah, it's been a lot. It's funny, too, because, you know, you would think being on the road, you get all this time. But mentally, it's just there's it's crazy, man. I had all these plans to do all these things on this tour. And I was just met with various things we'll get into um, later on in our conversation. But, yeah, it's been a while, man. It feels like you even look different to me. You got the darker facial hair. It feels like it's been months, dude. (laughs) Well, I feel Shit. like a shell of my former self, mate. And we'll start on the bad foot because, you know, hopefully then we, yeah, can, yeah. we can end on a light note. But over the last month, maybe a little bit longer, but specifically the last month, um, I've just withdrawn into myself in a big way. Uh, I've been going through a lot of stuff. A lot of old issues have come to light, a lot of new ones too. And um, yeah, I've just been drinking to excess, like drinking like I don't want to live. And I recognize that pattern and wow. I've been there before. And I'll just tell you a quick story that can maybe like contextualize things and set us off. So about three weeks ago, I'd lose track of all time, but let's just say three weeks ago, um, I went to go see Bring Me the Horizon at the London O2. Um, they're not a band I'm a big fan of or even a fan of really, but I was intrigued to see their visual show. There's a bunch of friends I knew who were going down. So I got the invite and I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So that was a Sunday night. So I'd been DJing on the Friday and the Saturday. I'd kind of had like a good weekend, but I could just tell there was something niggling away at the back of my head. And, you know, I was I was definitely going hard on the Friday and the Saturday. And it comes around to the Sunday and I'm there and I just see all these people I hadn't seen in like, you know, two years, pre-pandemic, a lot of them. And it should have been like a really joyous, celebratory reunion. And I just spent all night sneaking off on my own, going to the bar, ordering shots, just doing shots, drinking on my own. I'd come back to the seat, you know, more and more drunk each time. 
Then I left the show early and just bailed, did like an Irish goodbye, didn't say bye to anyone, just left. And um, basically walked down to the edge of the River Thames and just gazed out at that river for about half an hour. It seemed like an eternity, just crying to myself, just like thinking, what's the point? Like one of those conversations, what's oh, the point? Man. Looking into, not thinking I'm going to do anything, you know, serious or harmful, but certainly thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to just sink to the bottom of that ocean right now? and switch off all of the stress and all of the pain and all the trauma and the voices in my head and just rest forever. Burst out crying. Um, and yeah, that was like the end to my night. That was like a Sunday night in London. That's when I knew things had gotten pretty bad. Yeah, man. And the alcohol sure doesn't help with that shit. I know, I know that feeling. I've actually been there myself years ago uh, in Manhattan that did the same thing looking out in the Hudson. And that feeling overtakes you of like, you just can't handle it anymore. Yeah, that's rough, man. I'm sorry to hear that. I knew it was bad, but that's that just goes to show me like how bad it got, man. I'm sorry to hear that. And I had a really nice conversation yesterday over lunch with my parents. Um, I'd reached a point where I was like, I can't carry on doing this. I need to switch my mindset. I need to change my lifestyle. I need to just fix these things that are plaguing me um, and stop running from them. So I went out for lunch with my mum and dad and, you know, starts off small talk <laughs> a lot like this. So how are you doing? And I was like, not good, not good at all. And it's really hard to try and tell the two people that brought you into this world how miserable and depressed and sad and alone and unhappy you've been feeling. And this isn't just like a recent thing either. Like I go through spells certainly where I'm good, but I'd say in the back of my mind, there's kind of been a lingering just sadness for for a good decade or so now like it comes and goes but it's solidly consistently been there for for a good decade i can pinpoint exactly the year that it sort of really crept in 2013 and um yeah i just had to sit there with him and just be like look this is where i'm at this is how i've i've been feeling particularly lately but you know for quite a while and <laughs> it was like you know, just a very quiet, nice Italian restaurant, lunchtime, peak hours. There's people all around us and we're all just like, we're all weeping. We're all having this really intense, heavy conversation <laughs> over like, you know, carbonara um, and <laughs> crab ravioli. And everyone in the restaurant kept looking around like, fucking hell, it's getting a bit deep over there. But I just had to tell them. And um, I had to tell them that the root of a lot of it is my relationship with alcohol. I had to just come clean with myself and with them. Because I know that it is. I know a big part of my depressive, destructive tendencies is a, a result, you know, and, and a kind of a correlation to to booze. So yeah, I was like, this is where I'm at. This is what I've been feeling. This is what I think I need to do to get better. Um, just letting you guys know where I'm at. And it was a good talk, but it certainly was hard for me to say because the last thing I ever want to do is worry them because they're your parents. Mm. Yeah. So that, my friend, in a nutshell. I know you are going to be expecting a certain level of <laughs> somberness today from me, but that's kind of where where I've been. And maybe you can speak to this because what I've noticed in the last few weeks is like, you know, when you feel mentally unwell and you feel like just strained and everything feels hyper real and you feel really timid and that's not me and that's not who I am. But everywhere I've been over the last couple of weeks, people who've seen me and know me are like, like, are you okay? You seem just exhausted and like beaten down and, yeah, I just feel like in the last month or so, my spirit's just really like snapped and been broken. So now I've got to rebuild it. 
Yeah, well, I think that's the first step, right? Is being able to talk about it. And the fact that you got my your parents to be able to do that with, that's that's a beautiful thing right there as well. You know, not everybody's got that type of relationship with their parents. So that's I love to hear that part of it at least. And you know what? The fact you're sitting here talking to me about it, that's a beautiful thing too. You're still here. You're still willing to to push forward and and recognize what's going on inside of you. And I think that's commendable. And the fact you're doing it here on camera. Oh shit, know, we're and, recording. <laughs> and on and on audio, you know, like that's what this is all about though. Yeah. That's why we even started this shit. Mm-hmm. For those people who do pay attention, that do listen, they get it. We're not the podcast you go on and you hear, well, hey, uh, you know, dicks and farts and tits and whoa. There's plenty of those, plenty of those. And we are not, proudly not that podcast. So uh, I'm honored always to talk to you about this, but I'm also just proud of you for talking about this right now. I think that's what this is all about. And I can definitely speak to that feeling. I have definitely been there before. And I definitely have a rocky relationship with alcohol as well, which is why, thankfully, I've stuck to the real moderation where I have days where I just don't touch it. And I think my big concern was coming out here and how I would be. And I'm proud of myself. I've done well for the most part. I had like, I think two nights where, you know, I'd have a couple drinks and then my entire body and spirit was like, we're done. It's not even me. It's something else. I don't know what it is, but um, it doesn't mean that I'm not still, you know, I, I don't still go to dark places, you know, because I struggle with, like you, well, I have depression, I have anxiety, I have social anxiety. And that triggers a lot out here on tour when you're just constantly around people, you can't escape and performing, you know, in front of 10,000 people a night. It, yeah, it's definitely taxing. But um, I don't know. I kind of just want to speak more on you. I feel almost like I don't even want to talk about me right now because I just want to talk more about you. Well, we'll save the tour stories for towards the end, yeah, and we'll, we'll you know take it towards a positive conclusion. And yeah. and as you, as you can hopefully see, like, and you've, I mean, let me ask you this: like, in the last few weeks, when we've been recording, have you seen a change in me? Yeah, I mean, well. Honestly, to be able to see your face right now on camera, um, I can see, I can see on your face the, uh, what you're talking about. It's it's noticeable to me as someone who's seen your face every week for, you know, months now, um, and having that little break, I can see a difference. Um, but yeah, I think prior to that, you know, doing a couple episodes, you weren't quite as bad. I don't know, but um. It's the nightlife, dude. The nightlife has been eating me up. And what's really interesting is, you know, before I went back to DJing, I was in the best place ever. Um, really, ever. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I knew even when I was in it, I was like, this is the most fulfilled and happy and healthy and, and, and just, like, overwhelmingly positive about everything I've, I've ever felt. And then, like, go back to DJing, and it's really fun to begin with. And then kind of, you know, stuff creeps in. And then, like, you know, obviously, as you know, and I don't want to go too much into that on here out of respect for the other person, but as you know, there's been kind of like a relationship in my life that's kind of come unraveled in the last month. And that's definitely, like, been the thing that's that's pushed me over the edge. But it's not all a result of that. Like, a you know, a big part of it was already there festering away. And it's just, I had a conversation with somebody the other day. Well, I've had a few, actually, in, in recent um, days. 
just about alcohol and about addiction and i know i'm not an alcoholic i know i can abstain for extended periods of time and not even think about it but i do think i'm a problem drinker and i do think that when i have problems i go to drink but also like when i am drinking i can't temper my thirst and so it's a huge commitment to say like from this moment on i'm going to be sober but i'm actively now trying to like avoid it for my own health and happiness um because i realize that i'm (laughs) i'm not the kind of dude that can just have a couple of drinks like when i drink the fucking monster comes out and what's been hard for me to temper is like in the past a lot of my positive relationships and exciting opportunities and experiences in life like so many good moments have come from nights out so it's quite hard to say like oh this thing is an evil force in my life because actually so much good and positive has come from nights out where i've been drinking this friendship included in that you know when we had that night in birmingham after the q a like that was definitely a, a heightened experience and we were close anyway and i think we'd still be sat here anyway but that certainly fast-tracked you know, a kinship. And it's done that with so many people for me. So it's getting to the point where I guess you realize that, oh, perhaps now the party's over and it's no longer a good thing. Now I need to stop. And that's probably a little bit later than, you know, I, I should have made this realization probably a long time ago, but I'm making it yeah. now. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, I think one of the things too, I mean, I guess a few things really we could talk about this because I know exactly how you feel um, at a certain point in my life, I couldn't just casually drink and stop after two and call it a day. Um, and I think alcohol just, it really exposes, you know, it, and you know, that's why they call it spirits. I've been reading a lot about this lately. And it keeps popping up in my social media, which, you know, the algorithms, I don't know how that works, but whether it's a sign or just a, something I've been researching on, but how spirits, you know, they, they, when you drink alcohol, you're emptying a part of yourself and allowing other spirits to come in. There's a belief of that, you know, but I think that we all have a spectrum of spirits inside of us, personalities, things that are deep within us and our psyche. And that just opens the door. You know, you hear about people, some of the worst arguments they've had in their life, some of the worst things that's happened to them, some of the most crazy things that they would never do all come from alcohol because it just like breaks down these walls that you would normally have up. And sometimes they're there, those walls are there to protect you. Mm -hmm. You know, those walls are there for self-preservation. And when you take those away and things happen the next day, you're like, I would not have done that without alcohol. So there's a positive and a negative to it. And if you can't find that, you know, moderation, then you're right. You're just better off without it. Especially when you're dealing with mental health, man. I feel like the only times in my entire life I've ever felt suicidal was when I was drunk, period. I could do any other thing. You know, I'd be tripping until I couldn't even see when I was younger. None of that ever made me go, oh, yeah, I'm going to off myself. It was only alcohol. Alcohol is the one thing that, and I'm sure a lot of people listening are nodding their heads going, yeah, I get that. Cause for some reason that shit, it just, it can get dark. And if you're in a bad place and you're drinking to sort of numb that, that's when it's like dangerous. If you're drinking to celebrate, usually that goes okay. But if you still got something underlying, like you said, you've had something 
underlying for a while, that's going to show face at some point. I think anybody who's got heavy issues, it's going to come out when you drink too much. And it's that, that line, you know, everybody knows that you, you drink and you're having fun. And then you look back on the night, you're like, I was that, that one drink I shouldn't have fucking had that just tipped the scale. And that's a dangerous card to play with, especially when you're talking about depression and chemically what alcohol does to you in the next day. You know, hangovers aren't just dehydration and you feel sick, but that's a mental shift. That's not fun. That sucks. Yeah, it's the shame is a big thing that gets me, the shame. And that's not necessarily because I've particularly done anything, but you just feel like you have. You know, you wake up and you go, oh, who do I need to call to make it right? Like, what went down last night? Who do I need to apologize to? Oh, I hate myself. Yeah, or you let yourself down just for not having the control to to know when to say that enough is enough. And yeah, I would say majority of the people that I know that are sober now is is they came to that realization where, you know, they realize that this, this just doesn't work anymore. And I respect the hell out of that. And it does take self-control. And as you said, you can go for a long time without drinking and that's fine. But it's one thing when you're at home in a pandemic and it's another thing when you're gonna go out and do your job and be a DJ or, or be a performer or a comedian. I can't even imagine being a comedian. Um, and feeling like you're not missing out by participating and being sociable without drinking. I think that's the biggest thing for me that I struggle with sometimes where when I'm trying not to drink, I would rather just avoid going out to even have that temptation of like, I'm going to meet a bunch of friends at a bar and I'm going to try to like have a, a non-alcoholic beverage. Like that's, that's hard for me personally. And that's a lot to do with my social anxiety. Sometimes I just don't know what to do with myself if I don't have that in my hand. It's, it's, yeah, it's a struggle, man. Well, I'm looking at next year as well, and there's all these amazing things in my diary already. And I'm just looking at like these tours that I've got coming up, and I'm just already in my head going, if I'm drinking on them, I know at least half those dates for me are going to be a washout. And all I'm going to be thinking is I can't wait to get through this day. And that's a big thing as well that I'm like, I'm so tired of wasting half my life hungover and dreading what I should actually be anticipating with great excitement and joy like because i live for this shit and this is what i want to be doing and i'm doing like i think it's something like 15 days in a row with bowling for soup i'm going out wow. djing with them and it's in a row like there's wow. no days off Dude. <laughs> and i'm like if i'm drinking on even any of them it's gonna by the time you get to date 10 it's i don't know how they're gonna do it I, all i'm doing is playing tunes they've got to sing and do all the rest of it but i'm just looking at those dates and i'm like I just don't want to be that guy that I've been throughout my whole life that's in these and the pandemic obviously stripped all that away. And so I had time to look at all these festivals and all these tours and all these amazing things that I've been a part of that I've wasted at least 30%, if not more, of all of them clinging on to life because I'm so fucking hungover from the night before. Because as you say, I don't know when to stop. It's like that thing of you can finish the show and if you can just have one drink with everyone, then off to bed, great but I'm the guy that's there at 7 a.m. when the bus is like driving into the next town and everybody else is like long passed out and I'm just still going on my own, like playing tunes, like. <laughs> well, I can speak. That's actually a great segue into All what's right. going on with Road me life. right now. Fill me in. Yeah. Fill me in. So, yeah, the, I think the big thing for me is I love sunlight. I love daytime. I love nature. Those are the things that keep me on the good path you know as we've talked many times in our previous episodes for anyone who's been tuning in 
I still cling to that out here. And that was my big concern coming back out to the road is like, how do I transition with the life I've been living off tour into tour, being surrounded by guys who do that? A couple of guys on our bus definitely will stay up till three, four, five in the morning, drinking, playing music. And I'll see them the next day at like four when they wake up, three, four in the afternoon. And I've been up since eight and I've had an entire day. I went, you know, a bike ride at the park. I lifted weights. I, I did a juice thing, you know, and I'm, I'm in this beamingly happy, like excited for the show mood. And it's like the contrast of like someone who's just waking up when I've already had a day. Um, and I used to be that way too. You know, I used to get up and like the worst hangover, just mucus, just feeling like shit. My performance would suffer for it. Um, and I'm I'm proud of myself. I've been able to sustain that. And I've seen you a should huge, be proud is killer. It's so killer. And I've seen a huge shift in my performance. I can hear it. People are commenting on it. I see that too. I see a lot of that online, which is amazing to see. Yeah. And then being on stage without a drink in me, like my face, you can see more joy. There's I'm more present. I'm there. There's less anger. There's less frustration. And those emotions still come into my head when I'm singing because it's all about like processing each song and trying to be present to each song as they come. But I think overall my spirit has a lighter heart to it because I am filled with hope. And I think that's the difference too is when you become despondent and tied up into an addiction and in a dark place, you don't have hope for the future. And I thought that this was going to be really difficult and don't get me wrong, it is. There are days where I just, I just want to be home with my girl and my cats in my bed and hiding and not have to be the guy to go on stage and perform every night. But getting back out here and, and doing this again, it's given me a different purpose. You know, the purpose I found with this podcast will never go away. It's something I cherish and I love. It's something that I have that's just mine and yours. It's just the two of us in this journey. I've never had that kind of a partnership with something and that really boosted my spirits. And it almost made me not even want to go back on the road because I just liked being home. I liked doing this and being able to add touring in. And I'm still balancing it. You know, this is the first podcast I've done on the road. I'm in a hotel room and I'm not home and we're making it work, thankfully. Um, but I just look at my life right now and I'm like, there's a lot going on and I can't believe I'm out here doing this shit. As odd as it is, because, you know, it's still very quarantined and we're not able to interact with the bands or any of that stuff. It's you can't interact with the fans. It's basically just us in a bus. We play a show, get back on the bus next show. But even that it's I'm in good spirits and I didn't anticipate that it's crazy, but just, I guess, sticking to that routine that you and I were talking about all over, you know, the pandemic, I, I dug my heels in and I stuck with it. Yeah, you killed it. I fucked it. You killed it. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You you listen, you can't beat yourself up over that. You had something that triggered your darkness. You know, you were dealing with a relationship that just didn't work out the way you thought it was going to. I don't blame you for that shit, man. That's hard to deal with. And I think, too, another reason that addiction gets triggered and why we run to it is the feeling of loneliness, disconnection. You know, I think a lot of addicts, because um, recently I've been doing really crazy private cameos for people 
like heavy ones, heroin addict in particular, um, someone who is suicidal. I've been doing dark, private, you know, because on Cameo, you can have it be a public where you can go on my Cameo site and see the videos I've done. These are just personal one-on-one things. And a lot of the stuff I've been dealing with with people is that detachment, that feeling of you can be in a room full of people DJing, performing, and still feel so fucking alone. Well, that's 100% me, dude. And that's what I've realized through these conversations that I've been having open and honest ones with myself as much as anything. I've been realizing that for the last decade, despite being surrounded by people, I've felt so alone and so detached and so isolated from like society. Yeah. And that's where it all stems from. All that sadness and loneliness and like alcoholism is all from that same pot of just feeling like I don't belong. Yeah. It's gnarly. It's heavy. It really is. And, and I guess the end game with that is how do you change that Mm -hmm. for you to recognize that there are people that like adore you and need you and in their lives and wouldn't be the same without you. And I think that's the problem too. When you deal with someone who's suicidal, they don't consider those things because it doesn't even enter your mind. That isolation is so hard because you believe it. And that's the problem. It's a lie. Anxiety and depression, they tell you lies. And those lies are so fucking believable where everybody around you had they know, if you let people in, they'll remind you of how alone you are not. And I think that's the big thing with, with, with everything we talk about in this podcast, with everything we get into, I stand by that. And recently, I actually just recently this morning had to remind some people on my bus, like, hey, I see you. I can tell you're not good right now. I'm here for you. And you know, you might get the shrug like, rah, rah. but I'm the nagging little mom because people have done that to me in my life. And I'll remind you again tomorrow. The next, I'll put my hand on that person's back real quick. You okay? I'm here if you need me. That goes a long way with people. And I know for sure anybody who's watching this that knows you, reach out to this motherfucker. <laughs> well, I, I actually... And um, I know you've, been, not, you've probably been open ones, about it. It'll be, it'll no. be too many. Um, <laughs> I actually wrote something on Instagram yesterday, yeah, and I just said, like, this is where I'm at. And so many people messaged. It was overwhelming um, in in a good way. And um, it made me realize, again, it's all going back to the the alcohol thing. Like, a big part of me feeling like I'm not good enough, because that's where a lot of loneliness comes from, right? Is like, I'm not worthy of this person's love or affection, or I'm not worthy of, you know, this kind of a relationship or that kind of a friendship. I know I let myself down when I get a certain way when I drink and I also let people that I care about down and I only want to be like a positive presence in the people that I care about's life. And I know in no uncertain terms for me to be that person, I need to not be wasted. Yeah. So that's that's like enough of an incentive for me to like just sort my shit out and get straight is like if I want to be the person that I know I can be, I know I can be, I need to to not be drunk to be that guy and then hopefully i'll feel a bit of not too much because pride can go the other way too but like i can feel proud about the person that i am and happy with the person that i am yeah well i've seen that person many times on camera during interviews and i think you just mentioned a word that i think is really poignant wasted i think that's the difference between 
somebody who can have a glass of wine with dinner and maybe after dinner drink and call it a night and then someone who actually gets wasted because that is it's time wasted and i noticed conversations you know i'm very aware acutely aware of conversations out here the few nights that i have stayed up a little bit past my bedtime you know, not on school nights, on show nights, I'm in bed early. Yeah, you got a day off the next day, yeah. But, you know, the depth of conversation decreases as the night goes on. And the only way you're really going to connect with people on a deeper level is not being wasted, like you just said, because you can't really be in touch with who you truly are when something is inhibiting that. You've got this blanket of alcohol over you. And you may even say things you don't even intentionally mean to say. Had you been in your sober state, you would have sort of analyzed it before it came out. So your true self is being altered. And I think that's a key point. You're not going to have deep connections with people when they're your drinking buddies. Because drinking buddies are not real friends. Unless they are. And then they know when to check you and be like, we shouldn't be doing this. You know, those friends that reach out, and I've got a couple of them where they're like, Let's hang out without alcohol. Let's go get a coffee. Let's go for a long walk in the park. Like people who want to be your friend in real life, you know, that's what I call it. When we're out here on the road and you're doing shows and you meet these people at bars and you're like, yeah, meeting someone in real life and doing normal shit. Those are the conversations that are going to really alter you and change you because you're in touch with who you truly are, you know, and I think that's super important and alcohol can just totally take that away. And like you said, it can enhance certain social situations, but once you get to that point, most drunken conversations are stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, I'll walk in the front lounge to pee mm-hmm. <laughs> in the bus and the shit that I hear, I'm like, it's like 3.30 in the morning. What the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> Talking about nothing. Yeah, and like um, when you're not in that state, you can clearly see like this is derailed a long time ago. But- <laughs> yeah when you're all in the same state nobody calls it no and it is funny as well because like all of my drinking buddies are also my good friends like and i think because i am somebody who wears my heart quite openly the people who i attract are generally fairly deep you know interesting sensitive people as well they're not just like waste men who are like rah you know let's get fucked up i'm like we can do that too but like let's talk about some stuff as well but as you say it's like when you wake up the next day and you know there was like a connection there, but you just can't remember it. That's the worst. You're like, I know we got deep, but I just don't remember specifics. And then you go, well, that is, that's another night wasted right there. And then the yeah. day's wasted the next day too, because you're still reeling from the fucking lack of sleep and dehydration and all the rest of it. It's a fucking constant, well, it has been, as I said, I feel like I want to just draw a, a big line in the sand from this week going forward because... All signs point towards Soberville. <laughs> yeah, and you For know me. you got to you know you got to do, man. You know what you got to do. You did it during the pandemic. I saw you. You're going out for those long walks. Reconnect with who you are. Learn how to do those DJ gigs without booze. Um, yeah, that's the struggle. I'll, or I'll just quit is, DJing. Or I'll yeah, just I mean, sack it off. Yeah, if if it if it doesn't, here's the thing too, and this is what I realized. This is a big thing for me out here now. I didn't think I could be the person I was on stage without alcohol because I'm so used to doing it. Now that that's taken away, challenge accepted, I've actually been enjoying the stage a lot more than I did before. I never fucking thought that would happen. 
even on nights and listen there are nights when slipknot has the audience you know slipknot's the headliner we're underneath them there are nights especially in we're playing seated amphitheaters with small little standing area majority of the time the people who are in that small standing area they've been there since doors opened and they're wearing slipknot shirts they're wearing slipknot masks they are fanatics for slipknot so there are shows where those people are they start out pretty unimpressed and when you're sober and you're hyper aware of that that's a fucking challenge man and i'm like challenge accepted i go up there have fun i will smile at people i'll give them the horns and eventually you start to see them warm up to it and i'm conscious of that happening every night i'm conscious of the people who are the kill switch fans i'm really in the moment and i'm present where drinking me wasn't that i would be my eyes would be darting all around the room i would be conscious of what i was doing in performance do i look cool like all these weird odd thoughts would enter because i'm buzzed and i'm like not in my normal state of mind and doing this shit without booze in my system i gotta say i enjoy it a lot more and I never thought that would fucking happen. So that's another reason that just put. Oh, your Wi-Fi's busted up, buddy. You know, I can do. Sorry, your Wi-Fi cut out there, bro. Oh, did it? Oh, yeah, I, I need to just like the last 10 seconds, whatever you just okay. said. Yeah, because I paid good money for this Wi-Fi in this hotel. <laughs> Damn it. Well, at least you ain't on a bus uh, like John Fred the other day. I know, dude. I know. I actually like was excited to get up. I booked this room ahead of time, and the, the hotel manager's a fan, so they upgraded me to a suite, so I got my own living room. I'm just going to hang out here all day without the boys around me. <laughs> I can't wait. But, um, yeah, so long story short, I, I'm just – I am more present, and I feel like I'm more me now on stage. And I think that that matters. I think that the message comes through in my lyrics, the sincerity of how I feel. You're just a more genuine human when you're not boozed up. Mm -hmm. And that's where the connection happens. And for me as a performer, that connection happens when I make eye contact with people. And I see them either enjoying themselves, even if they're not technically a fan, or our fans losing their minds and crying. And, and even though I can't climb off stage and get into the crowd like I love to do, there's still a connection happening and that connection's different than it's ever been in my career. And uh, I'm actually getting emotional. I, I'm happier than I've ever been doing this out here. Um, and I also think that has a lot to do with the new technique that I, I need to speak on. Um, at some point, I feel like I'm talking too much here though. No, no, no. What, no what, dude, this, this, let that moment happen. Like, yeah, it, I can only imagine, you know, I had one, I had two days of it at Slam Dunk Festival where the wave of euphoria that I felt being back in a field with all these people was, you know, so powerful. And you're having that every night for weeks on end. So yeah. I can totally, totally understand and, and, yeah, empathize. Well, not empathize, sympathize with, in a good way, how yeah. amazing that must feel. Yeah, and I think... Um... You know, we had Melissa Cross on a few episodes ago. And for any listener who didn't listen to that episode, I can't urge you enough to go back and listen to that. I mean, it's the best one, I feel yeah, like, I think. Yeah, I think we've had a bunch of home runs lately. Um, you know, the comedian Nick, I, I thought that was a brilliant episode as well. Derek from Sepultura. But um, Melissa's story is profound, but she's been a part of my life for the better part of 25 years. She's been a friend, a teacher. A absolutely brilliant teacher 
But if I'm going to be honest, I don't think I've really ever applied her fry technique um, because I'm just so stuck in my old ways. Even after having a vocal surgery, even after having tons of problems with my voice, I, the technique never clicked with me and I just couldn't get it right. And uh, a week into this tour, I started to lose my voice. I was getting hoarse. And I usually get very dark, very quick. And I will drink myself into oblivion once that starts happening because I start hating myself. I start self-destruct mode. So I reached out to Melissa Cross and as a friend, I just texted her and she went into like nurse mode, you know? And the, one of the first things she said is, you know, what's the word she used? It was brilliant. Um, don't dramatize or don't like go into the, that dark space that you could go into as a performer thinking you failed everybody. You know, I'm thinking I got to cancel shows. That's like the worst thing you could possibly do right now. So long story short, she talked me through it. She gave me and reminded me of the technique she's been teaching me. I sang the next show without incident on my old technique. Then I started to use her fry technique. Which is what? How can you break that down in layman's terms? Yeah, so fry technique, um, which is it's really better if you just look it up. But basically, you're able to scream, which it sounds similar to a full-bodied scream, like if you just were to... Is it the one where she was talking about in the episode where the vibrations is what make the noise? So it's actually a really quiet scream. It's just the way that you're... Yeah. So basically, uh, you're at like two decibels lower, half volume, really. And you're able to make almost pretty much identical the same noise you would on a full-on yeller scream. But sonically, it's got a wider range, so it hits the microphone differently and thus sounds much louder than it actually is. So I started to apply that technique and a week after that's all I've been using, I switched completely over to that fry technique. And you know, there are little bumps in the road here and there, but on the whole, I did three shows in a row and the next day I was completely fine, even with still a little bit of damage on my vocal folds. So that mentally too, has just been like, holy shit, I'm, I'm doing the shit sober. I learned a new technique. I just don't know where else I could go. I'd never imagined I'd be at this point where like, I feel in control. I feel like I've got a lot of hope for the future where I always had that lingering, like, what if vocal surgery? What if blow your voice out? You know, cause when I had the vocal surgery, the doctor's like, I can't guarantee you can continue to do this if you don't switch something up. So that switch has happened in the past, I don't know, four shows. I've just had a whole new confidence. It's just crazy. I don't even think I've processed it yet because it's just this weird joy and confidence that I have now that I've never really had before. <laughs> and you just finish the show and get to a hotel room on your own and go, <laughs> right? Like, can't wait to tell everybody. So talking about it now is obviously why you're getting emotional. And before you were going out on this tour, like I hope I'm not you know, stepping out of line, but I remember conversations with you where you were like, going, fuck, I'm not even sure if I'm ready to do this again. Like, I've spent so long at home, I'm not sure if now that's just that part of my life, that ship sailed. As everybody, I think, has those conversations. But it's amazing today to be sat here opposite you and hearing that you're killing it on every level and enjoying it on every level. And you're, like, touring in the weirdest time, in the weirdest circumstance. Yeah. And to get such a good. positive out of it is dope. Yeah, because it just makes me think like when shit finally 
finally gets back to like me being able to socialize, get into the audience, go out to eat, grab a drink with friends. Because this tour, they're being, you know, if, if you look in the news, like t tours get canceled all the time because somebody gets the vid and then it's, you know, they're afraid it's going to spread. And so Slipknot from the jump of this tour, let us know this is going to be strict quarantine. So we're, we're kind of like, you know, living a whole new quarantine, even though technically here in the United States, you can go out to eat, you can do all those things. This tour is unable to do that. So entire staff, crew, band members, everybody, you stick to your little bubble on days off. You don't venture out unless you're wearing your mask. And like, there's a part of me sometimes that I just rather just not go out. I'm just, I don't even want to bother. So I've been just kind of staying close to the bus, but but my bike has been my salvation. I get on that and I just go out to the woods. I go out to a bike path and that's where I'm like, I got this. It Paul Stanley style, mate. That's what Paul yeah. Stanley's been oh, doing. Yeah. yeah, when I spoke to him for Life in the Stocks, he said, look, he's like, you've got to keep your distance. Okay, what's the one thing I can do where I get to leave the house, get exercise, fresh air, and don't come into contact with anyone? Cycling. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> it's been my saving grace. I absolutely love it. That and um, I have to give our crew a ton of credit. They've been incredible. They set up these tents every single day. Um, they set up a sound system. We play reggae music. Last night we watched Young Frankenstein on a projector. Amazing. And it's outside the bus underneath tents. We've got our grill. We've got stuff to cook food. We've got beer on ice. We've got, you know, all kinds like of stuff. It's like Warped Tour vibes. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It is, but it's like the way these guys have set it up it's luxury it's nice i was able to cook a full pasta meal for myself <laughs> while they're you know setting up the movie and we've got a little like fake chain around it you know so people know like this is our space and that's been huge it's just everybody's really come together to like we're gonna make this work we're so happy to be back to work this is difficult but things could be worse you know our jobs don't suck, basically, is, is the sort of the mantra around here. So yeah, it's, it's, it's actually nice to talk about it, because I think as I'm talking to you about it, the more I realize that I'm, I'm really doing okay with this shit out here. And I, you're right, before I left, I was like, and I do, I miss my home so much. I miss my girl, I miss my cats, I miss my little routines, but they're not going anywhere. And my girl, Corinna, reminds me of that daily. She goes, you'll be home soon. Don't worry about it. I got this. So that helps too, you know? Yeah, I guess I'm like a little ray of fucking sunshine next to you right now. I feel, <laughs> I almost feel bad. I'm like, no, no, dude, like, this is perfect. This like, is what I need. This is yin and yang right now. Like, <laughs> you started out, and I'm like, Fuck. I started out like, oh. And here I am just like, ray of sunshine. <laughs> well, dude, it's it's perfect. So seeing you happy makes me happy. And talking about special episodes, the episode that we did with Corinne was so amazing. And the response to that was so incredible. Um, and she's just, she's awesome. And, and you wrote something the other day, which, you know, kind of really hit home how great your partnership is as you said you know this is this person that couples aren't about like the happy selfies and our lives always awesome like a strong partnership is about those you know difficult conversations and i can't remember exactly what you said but you know exactly yeah. the post that i mean and yeah just hit home how lucky you are to have each other and and you know so much of that luck obviously comes from the hard work that you've put in you know, it's not just like you woke up one day and gone, oh, wow, I've just hit the jackpot with this awesome person and it comes to us easily. 
like there's there's hard work and difficulties there too but to have that person who's got your back um when you need it when you're out on the road is invaluable and awesome yeah, it's huge because in the past you know i was always worried about what was going on at home always it was always something always some kind of drama and with corinne and where we've been the past few years there's nothing i mean i still worry about her you know being alone in the you know but on the whole man it's yeah and here's the thing too that i almost like get give myself like i'm almost slightly annoyed at myself at times where i feel like ugh, douchey when i post these like how much i love her or support her or, like put these sappy posts up but the truth of it is you know social media it's all about what you're presenting and i think a lot of people present the better side of themselves so it almost sort of fools people into thinking that everything is like easy for you and that that's not the case with a good relationship i can look back on our relationship in many moments where it was like intense like really intense to deal with both of our baggages both of our issues our triggers from our past like it this relationship with her has not been easy for either one of us at all well but, look at the time when it started as well what you were coming out of where you were yeah and where she was too it was we're both fucked up people you know and had we not gone through all that difficulty and not being afraid to like even when shit gets crazy like you don't run away you don't like to me that's the worst when somebody's angry and they just like leave like don't do that or if you leave come back like get it sorted settle it figure it out you know arguing it out discuss it out like that's so important and we've done a ton of that and we'll probably still continue to do that but it's less it gets less as you grow and i'm, I'm super grateful for her because we aren't afraid to go there and talk about shit that's difficult to talk about and it just helps us move forward yeah and i am very fortunate for that i've never had that this is the first time i've had that type of relationship I think that's why the last month for me has been, you know, particularly trying as the person that I was was with. I thought, oh, maybe this can be my like life partner in that way, because I've never had that either. And we connected on so many levels. I saw it really working. And then when it doesn't, you're like, ah. Oh. And then like the thing that always fucks me up about like relationships coming to an end is very often you lose that person then as a friend. Like I like to remain yeah. friends with my exes if nothing bad's gone down, and a couple of my really dear friends or ex-girlfriends of mine i'm actually going to an engagement party for one of them in two weeks which she's invited me to and i'm honored and and can't wait to see her you know she was like my girlfriend throughout all of university and was you know like my dearest friend for so long and still is but we don't see each other as regularly anymore but i just hate that side of it is when like the relationship ends and then you not only lose them as like this partner figure but also as a friend as well and like other than you she was like the other, only person really that I would speak to every day for like six months. And a big part of me was kind of just not blocking other people out, but I really just kind of like cut back my friendship circle and was in a really nice groove and was kind of like these two conversations are enough. And then you lose one of them and you're like, that's like half, half my friendship circles just gone. And uh, that's been tough, man. That's been really difficult. That's probably been the most difficult part of the last month is like losing the friendship as well. Yeah, I can't imagine that's that's got to be difficult man it's got to be difficult and my hope is time will heal those wounds and maybe someday you'll circle back around to it 
I think that's what it is, is just giving that person time. Maybe that's what'll do it. But in the meantime, yeah, lean on your other friends, you know, start. There's only one. <laughs> well, you know, I'm always here, you know, I'm always here. But of course you have more than more than just me, but I'm here, even if I'm busy, I, I will take the time for you. You know, I love you, buddy. I love you too, dude. Um, a lot, truly. I want to ask you a couple of quick questions before we get towards the end. Um, yeah. How has Corinne found the response to her episode? Because all of the comments were so lovely and awesome, and that must have like affected her in a cool way. Like, did it give her a boost and like make her feel good? I hope it did. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. It also just made her sort of like think about her past. I think she sat with. She re-listened to the episode a few times because I think as she was listening, she was kind of coming to realizations. So not only was it positive from people and she had a spike in her, you know, Purple's Herbals business and she saw her numbers go up on her social media pages. So she got that encouragement. But I think for me personally, what I thought was more important was she was able to sit with some of her the things she said and process them in a different way. And I don't think all that was easy for her. It was a few days where I could see she was really, you know, it's like one of those things when you talk about what you've been through and as you're talking about it, you're sort of hearing yourself say it and you're like, wow, that's fucked up. I feel like the more she talks about her childhood, the more she realizes how difficult it was and how it still haunts her. She still deals with shit from her past. You know, her family still, there's confrontation constantly with them. And um, I know that she had some feedback from a family member that was not positive. <laughs> but she stands by it. You know, she's telling the truth. The truth hurts. So I think that episode was remarkable for her. And I definitely think it boosted her overall and made her want to be more transparent. And, you know, I feel like we just sort of scratch the surface with her she's got a lot to say and i think that's where a lot of her wisdom comes from when it comes to mental health and addiction and she's another one that has to be careful with alcohol you know she's been very good she stays off it for a long time and then you know she did a performance the other night with her pole dancing and one drink led to however many and the next day she was just absolutely like leveled mm -hmm. um so it's, yeah, it's been a journey for her, and I'm super proud of her. She's doing well. There's been a lot of wisdom dropped on this show by our guests and often the people who've been through some of the most traumatic and painful stuff, and that's yeah. really what's given me so much strength is getting inspiration and light from these people that we're lucky enough to connect with. Um, it's going back a little while, but what about your dad? Obviously, his numbers won't have spiked because he's not on Instagram or any of that, but like, yeah. in terms of your relationship... Um, I know you were super close before, but after that conversation, have you had like a conversation with each other where you reflected back on that? Or have you kind of just gone, that was cool and, and we keep moving? Like, has it been brought up? Yeah, it was brought up a few times for sure. I think uh, he just felt honored to be asked to go on and he felt honored to be able to share some of his story. And I love that guy. And, you know, I, I recently went back and re-listened to it because just for me, it's it's nice that I am where I am with him because growing up, you know, we butted heads a lot and I never really understood. He was kind of a distant father for a little while there. Cause he didn't have, like we said in the episode, 
he didn't have an example of how to do the dad thing. Mm-hmm. And he sort of learned it as he did it. So I do think it's brought us closer. I love that guy. And I, you know what I he love said. about him too? His humility to like admit he's still growing. And I've seen that change within him later in his life. Like I would say the past 10 years becoming more humble and more like willing to, to grow and, you know, change and morph. Like he's not set in all of his ways. He's still willing to grow. And for a man that age with the amount of wisdom and, you know, education he has, you could easily become very prideful and stubborn. And I've seen that stubbornness wash away into graciousness and willingness to grow. So I'm super proud of that, man. I love him. That's really inspiring, man. And, and that's what I'm trying to use as, as some of my guiding light with where I'm at is like, I'm by no means anywhere near the complete version of myself. And I don't want to be stuck in this pattern. I've been stuck in this pattern long enough already. And then some, um, and the time is well overdue to morph and evolve and grow. The final thing I want to ask you is somebody mowing their lawn outside your window. They just started drilling something in the room next. <laughs> so this is probably well, a good time to stop. I can call the manager who's a fan and be like, can you stop this, please? <laughs> we're pretty near the end anyway. The one thing I just wanted to ask you is, is Adam D, um, have you two spoken about his episode at all? Because he really opened up in that. And I know he's not somebody that does that often. Has there been any revisiting of, of topics that were brought up in the podcast together on this tour, perhaps, or, or over the phone after, or has that been very no. much a... <laughs> No, he doesn't like to go there. Um, we did it have was, a really... It was cool that we went there once then, right? At least... The... Yeah. Me, him, and Joel, we have our little nights occasionally where we get deep, and we had one the other night, and it was really nice, but it wasn't about revisiting that conversation. It was more about, like moving forward with the band the next record and like touring which was a really good conversation to have because we discussed like not touring as much as we have been in the past which to me was a huge (sighs) we're kind of on the same page where we love doing this but we can't do it as much as we used to in the past we love being home we love our lives outside of this we need a balance so that was a good conversation to have but as far as revisiting the episode, no, I don't think he has any desire to. <laughs> he's just, he doesn't really like to go there with himself. He'll talk about other things, but he's very sort of guarded. So the fact he even went deep with us on that episode was huge. It was. It was dope. It was a great episode. And as you say, we have been on a hot streak. And um, we don't currently have any booked in, but there will be lots of great episodes coming up. And um, yeah, it's been nice to see your face and and hear how great things are going for you out there. I knew they were because I've seen all the posts from fans and you know pictures and captions and your thoughts. But to hear it firsthand is is really uh, it's awesome. Well, I'm proud of you for opening up and saying what you said at the top of this. And you know, I'm here for you whenever. And yeah, I know for sure, 100% of my heart that you're going to be looking back on this and you're going to grow a lot from it and find strength from it. It's going to be a it, you're going to turn this situation on its ear and you're going to proceed into the future with a lot more wisdom because of it. I know that. That's what I do best when the chips are down is the, the comeback kid. Yeah. <laughs> you got this brother. Always best when the chips are down. Um, well, dude, big love and um, enjoy your day off. And Thank you. 
I'll see you next week. I don't know who's going to be on the show yet, but I'm sure whoever it is, it's going to be awesome. We got this. We got it. <laughs> and say hi to the clown for me, yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I don't even I don't even see those guys, but yeah. All right, my man. <laughs> Big love. Cheers, dude. Peace, everybody. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.